We'll hear argument now in number 906704, David Dawson versus Delaware. Mr. O'Donnell. Good afternoon, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. <clears throat> this case presents a very narrow issue. May states equate speech or association entitled to protection under the First Amendment with character evidence and thereby enhance a criminal sentence, particularly so as to impose a sentence of death when those beliefs are unrelated to the offense. As Delaware concedes in its brief, the petitioner David Dawson invokes two traditional First Amendment precepts. First, that criminal penalties can never be imposed nor aggravated because of an individual's beliefs. And secondly, that government, here in the form of the sentencing jury, must always remain value or content neutral within the realm of a person's beliefs or views. Delaware concedes that while it could not have made constitutionally protected belief a statutory aggravating circumstance, it instead argues the radical proposition that the traditional First Amendment constraints against governmental viewpoint punishment are not applicable to the highly discretionary weighing stage of a death penalty proceeding in order to determine whether a particular defendant should live or die. This court, however, has made it clear that states in inflicting punishment particularly in inflictings as the penalty of death, may not attach the aggravating label to factors that are unconstitutionally impermissible. Delaware has done just that in this case. Well, what do you say particularly with respect to the punishment of death? I mean, I assume that if your proposition is correct, it would have to be correct with respect to any sentencing. I mean, if it's a First Amendment violation, you, you wouldn't say that uh, you can, you know, that, that it's good for, for other punishments, for life imprisonment, for example. That is correct, Your Honor. The, uh, the passage, however, I was referring to uh, is the court's principle as stated in Zant versus Stevens, which was a death penalty case. You're, you're, you're not relying on death is different here. You're, you're... No, sir, not with respect to this claim. The question presented, uh, Mr. O'Donnell, has the qualification that the murder here had no racial motivations or connections. Uh, you're not arguing, then, that if the murder did have racial connections or motivations, the state couldn't have used this evidence? Under that circumstance, uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist, the state could use that as an aggravating factor. So that's it, one limitation, isn't it, on your very broad proposition? Yes, it is. There is a broad... Uh, the, def the petitioner is stating a broad proposition. However, there are narrow... Uh, circumstances which this court has recognized where limited use of a belief or association says may be used uh, in order to determine whether the penalty of death or life uh, imprisonment is appropriate. Is under the fact. Uh, yes, uh, Justice White. Uh, is it simply a First Amendment argument you're making? Suppose, for instance, uh, that we were to conclude that character, associations, beliefs are, are relevant to a whole range of sentencing issues, uh, but that uh, this particular reference might be unduly prejudicial. Do, have you preserved a due process argument? Uh, or is it simply a First Amendment inquiry that we're making? It is a First Amendment inquiry, Your Honor. However, subsumed within that, or uh, more or less the overarching consideration is, uh, but more particularly subsumed within that claim, is the due process claim, simply because it would be unfair to say to us uh, as individuals within our society, says who are uh, protected by, says the First Amendment, to say to them that, well, says you, uh, the, uh, the uh, government may not abridge freedom of speech. Would, says, would, however, 
you're going to be punished in this instance. Would you disagree with the uh, comment that this is simply a question of relevance? Uh, it is not simply as a question of relevance. Uh, evidence which is, uh, which is arguably as relevant may nonetheless be barred by some constitutional prohibition. I'd offer the uh, court as, uh, as an example uh, an instance in perhaps a, uh, in a capitalist's proceeding uh, where the defendant has had asserted his right to remain silent, had asserted his Fifth Amendment right to remain silent throughout the trials and throughout the penalty proceeding. Although lack of remorse uh, is a uh, criteria, uh, is a relevant criteria for determining whether a person should live or die, if the state nonetheless argued to the jury under those circumstances that and an additional reason, or the very reason you should put this man to death is because you have not heard him apologize to you or anyone else. None, although the lack of remorse is relevant, nonetheless, that would be barred as under the Fifth Amendment. Well, the Fifth Amendment is, uh, is, is in large part a procedural safeguard at, at, at trial for a systemic reason. But your answer to the Chief Justice's question seems to me to indicate that this is just a question of relevance. In the hypothetical he put to you, yes, the evidence is relevant. It comes in. It can, all sorts of evidence can reflect on her character, but then nonetheless, uh, in any circumstance where a person's beliefs are used to impose punishment, that is, that is prohibited, says, by the First Amendment. Uh, and there are only certain limited circumstances in which any evidence can come into evidence, and only then for limited purposes. And in fact, in some of those instances, the trial courts that are this court has recognized that the trial courts have, in fact, instructed juries as to that limited purpose. What, what about a, a sentencing proceeding in a non-capital case where you deal with a probation interview and that uh, probation officer's interview? The defendant who's been convicted but not yet sentenced says, uh, you know, probation officer says, are, are you sorry for having done this? And he says, no, I'm not sorry. I, 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 I believe the guy should have been killed, and that's the way I feel about it. I don't have any remorse at all. Now, that presumably is a belief he has, but surely that could be taken well, into consideration. Uh, under those circumstances, Your Honor, it's not that there'd be no First Amendment protection. It'd be relevant to determine his propensity as to future but conduct. It's his, it's his particular belief that this guy should have been killed. Well, under those circumstances, it would be relevant because his belief took that belief out of the context of First Amendment protection because the belief resulted in unlawful action or a crime. So it's like your exception for a racially motivated crime in, in this case? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, very much so. What about, uh, what about in, the, uh, uh, in, in the probation report it, uh, uh, or in any sentencing proceeding, uh, evidence is brought into the effect that this uh, individual uh, uh, was uh, a really terrible son. His his his, his mother uh, you know, uh, has never heard from him. Uh, she's living in poverty. You know things of that sort. Can that can that be in there? Uh, yes, Your Honor, it could because but, there's no. All right, but but what if it said uh, uh, he he believes that uh, that mothers should be uh, uh, should be disregarded and, and allowed to live in poverty? That must be disregarded. Uh, if he has a I mean, if, if the one is relevant to what sentence he should get, it seems to me the other is relevant to what sentence he should get. 
I mean, the fact that he left his mother to live in, in poverty is only important because it shows that he's the kind of a guy who believes it's okay to leave your mother to live in poverty. But if he says that directly, we can't use it. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. It uh, does make sense in the sense he's not being, says, punished for that's his belief. It's merely, says, being used, let's say, to evaluate his credibility as to, says, others as evidence no, that he might not offer. not at all. It's being used to show that this is a pretty bad person. And I'm sure there are, there, there are things like that in probation reports. Under those circumstances, because it's not an abstract idea. It's not uh, this is an abstraction. It has nothing to do with, uh, it says with abstraction, but perhaps relationship with others. It's, it's punishable, says, for that reason, to, uh, not as an abstract idea, because he, he endorses or embraces that abstract idea. It's because he has not. He has not uh, offered his mother, says any. If that is in fact so, if he has not offered his mother, says any support, he has been unkind to her. In fact, right. it's perfectly, uh, says pertinent to character. It, that shows his character. Uh, but if he said, I don't have a mother, but by God, if I had one, I'll tell you, I'd, I'd let her live in poverty and starve to death. Well, we're at, that, we're, that does not show his character. Were it related, says, to the offense itself somehow, uh, if, there were, if there were a violation of some obligation, uh, if it, it was the death of his childs or his stepchilds as wherever, uh, whatever, it would provide some, uh, some insight into says, his state of mind says, with respect to that offense. But he could not be punished for his belief with respect to his mother uh, because that you know, is unrelated to the offense. Well, I'm not it's, punishing him for that belief. I'm punishing him because on the basis of everything I know about him, he is a bad character. That is one of a whole mosaic of things that just comes out with a picture of a bad character. I do not think uh, evidence of that his nature is, uh, is such is the abstraction, whatever the, uh, it, he's not being punished for the idea itself. It shows what how it says might relate says, to the offense having been uh, says, committed. For instance, if it, well, if uh, if it were respect to a totally says unrelated offense, uh, I would say it's not. Uh, I'd simply say there's no First Amendment says protection uh, says under those circumstances, and arguably it's not even relevant. Well, uh, is, is this case really involve um, something about beliefs? I thought it was just uh, just membership in a certain gang. Uh, yes, it is about beliefs. It is about beliefs because the evidence concerned his racist beliefs, and the jury no, was asked. It, it was just that he was a member of a of a prison gang uh, that uh, was racist. Isn't that all it was? An association is not punishable, uh, Your Honor. Oh, well, I know, racism. but it isn't. Uh, but this isn't technically beliefs. There wasn't any evidence about what the gang's beliefs were, was it, except for there, being racial? There was no evidence besides that. And that uh, well, it was although, just his membership. Yes, sir. His membership is in a gang. Says and which there was no evidence race, about what his connection with the gang was other than membership. That is, that is correct. Uh, and that the gang says embraced what uh, most people in society consider as abhorrent beliefs, unpopular. His beliefs, and that so was used as the criteria. Associational for rights aren't impervious, to, are they? No, sir, they are not. If 
if the association, if through the association, it's evident that the, uh, uh, says the person is inciting or attempting to provoke unlawful action as a result of that association, that, uh, uh, that is not uh, impermeable. So you're, there, there you're was saying, a long colloquy between the prosecutor and the defendant before the, uh, the was it the superior court judge before whom this case was tried? Yes, sir. Uh, as to just what what should come in about this this membership and what what the judge actually let in uh, was not nearly as much as I read it as, as the state said they could prove. Is that your impression too? Well, with re respect to that. All the states as was willing to prove in addition, and they were satisfied with what they did prove, but what they offered, or it's as proffered rather, is evidence of other persons' beliefs or gangs in other states. It says, nonetheless, it was not as pertinent yeah, to that never this defendant. And that never went to the jury here. It never went to the jury, and that in and of itself says would have been uh, would have been constitutionally says impermissible. So what what went to the jury was basically if they saying they could take into consideration his membership in this organization, which had a particular belief, but which was not characterized as advocating any particular action. Is is that true? It was not characterized as advocating any particular action. If in fact it was characterized as advocating any particular unlawful action. Yeah. Uh, it would be uh, uh, well. How admissible. how likely is the unlawful action got to be? I mean, you're not proposing a kind of clear and present danger test, are you? That if he is, uh, if in this in a capital case, if he is not sentenced to death, that he will engage in this behavior? Uh, are you arguing simply that uh, the the belief indicates a propen the the statement of belief indicates a propensity to engage in this kind of behavior? Is that enough? A propensity is not enough, Your Honor. It, it must be shown or there must be a foundation for uh, distinguishing, distinguishing between uh, the uh, belief in abstract doctrine and the advocacy of unlawful action. Yeah, well, what, what is, what is the, the, the line-drawing criterion? That's, in effect, that's what you want us to, uh, to hold. How would we write the sentence that encapsulates that? Uh, based on his decisions by the court in, for instance, uh, in uh, Yates and, uh, and Noto, uh, it would be along the lines to the effect, uh, it says, where the, the belief or where there is advocacy says, of unlawful action is based on these uh, facts, there it takes it out of the realm of uh, so there's, again, I, I think you're saying that there need not be, in order to make the, the, the belief evidence admissible, there need not be uh, any particular degree of probability uh, that that belief would in fact be, uh, be uh, form the basis of later action, uh, but merely a possibility that it form uh, a, a motive for later action. Is that true? Uh, is that what that, you're saying? That is true, and under the circumstances... And why doesn't any belief qualify? Any belief would qualify for protection so long as it is advocacy of an abstract doctrine and does, uh, does not, says, incite, uh, or there's no attempt to incite, says, unlawful, says, action or provoke. No, but you're not, I don't think you're saying that the kind of, 
relevant and admissible belief evidence must consist of statements of incitement, you're saying somehow that they must consist of statements which, uh, if they were followed by the defendant, uh, would, uh, would entail uh, unlawful conduct. That's true, isn't it? That is true. If well, there's no incitement. I mean, we're not talking about statements of incitement. We're simply talking about statements of belief. And what is the criterion for judging between some statements of belief which may be considered and others which may not be? Uh, two possibilities come to mind. One is there must be some high degree some degree of probability that he will actually act on the statement. And I think you've said that's not your criterion. The, the other possibility uh, is that the statement must, be, must somehow relate to unlawful conduct which uh, is identical to or close to the conduct for which he is being uh, punished in this case. Would that be your criterion? That would be the criteria so long as there was, was advocacy to commit as unlawful as action. If it was simply an abstract doctrine, and I point so out... So if, if you're sentencing then a, a burglar... Uh, the, a high degree of probability based even on advocacy, uh, even on, on, on statements of advocacy of murder would be irrelevant. Uh, under those circumstances, it would not be. For instance, where there's as evidence uh, that he had advocated, says the, uh, says the death of a witness against him within the prison had solicited as a crime, unquestionably that says advocacy would be outside the scope of any arguable First Amendment. Even, uh, even when he's being sentenced for burglary? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, then aren't you saying that advocacy of any crime will satisfy your test, uh, but if the behavior is non-criminal, it's got to satisfy some further relevance test? If the belief is, is of non-criminal behavior, it's got to satisfy a different relevance test. No, I believe I'm saying that it's, it's the advocacy says to commit is crime with the intent that the, a crime says be accomplished. Okay. Uh, if, it, if it is simply merely opposition says to an abstract idea says or a principle, let's say the, the principles reflected in the 13th and 14th and 15th amendments, uh, that's advocacy of abstracts as doctrine and that's protected says under the First Amendment. Even if you limit it that way though, uh, you're, you're really not describing a doctrine that tracks the doctrine of the First Amendment because uh, as you've just described it, you could put before the jury the fact that this person was a member of the Communist Party. No, I, I believe that I advocates the violent overthrow of the government. Now, to be sure, for the First Amendment, you can't put somebody in jail for doing that because advocacy is not enough. There has to be incitement. Or, but, but as you've described it, you don't need the incitement. You just need advocacy of something that's unlawful. It certainly is unlawful violently to overthrow the U.S. government. So you could be put before the jury, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, this is a bad person. Uh, just advocates, right? He's a member of the Communist Party. Uh, that's great. You do that. Uh, to the extent that I suggested that advocacy didn't intend, uh, says that those ends be accomplished, uh, and they were likely to be accomplished, I says may have misspoke. There has to be something. We must cross the line of just ag advocacy of an abstract doctrine to take it outside the first uh, realm of First Amendment protection. Mr. O'Donnell, I, I wonder if your if your case shouldn't be aimed more at membership rather than advocacy. Let, let me read to you the stipulation which I understand is what went to the jury in this case. 
The Aryan Brotherhood refers to a white racist prison gang that began in the 1960s in California in response to other gangs of racial minorities. Separate gangs calling themselves the Aryan Brotherhood now exist in many state prisons, including Delaware. Now, it says nothing about what this fellow believes. It's simply talking about his membership in, in, a, in a gang which is described as a white racist prison gang. Yeah. I think you may be biting off more than you need to when you get into all of this about advocacy. Uh, that is, in fact, correct that in this case we're dealing says, with association and an association with others who embrace says, beliefs, beliefs protected by the First Amendment as uh, odious as those beliefs might be. Uh, well, in, no in response to the Chief Justice's question, you don't even need to concede that he he belonged to a, a gang that had racist views. The stipulation says the California gang had racist views, not that this one did. Uh, the stipulation, or, the stipulation said that. However, there was some evidence uh, introduced to the effect that there was an association, circumstantial evidence of an association. The state introduced a tattoo and uh, just argued that he was therefore associated with a gang. There was no direct evidence or stipulation about what his own beliefs were. Uh, he might no, have joined these gangs as a matter of self-protection. That, that is, that and may I well be And I suppose that you were, did you try the case? No, sir, I did not. Well, I suppose trial counsel was perfectly free to argue to the jury the, the, irre the, the, uh, the weight of this evidence, even if it was admissible. He did, Your Honor, and he argued uh, strenuously to the jury to please do not consider this because this is simply a First Amendment belief protected by the Constitution. Yeah, well, and no count. And he, I suppose he went on and argued, and furthermore, it isn't worth much. Uh, no, sir, as he didn't, as he asked the jury, says to please uh, consider that this is merely a uh, belief uh, protected by the First Amendment. No counselor, no defense counsel in our states should be put in that position to have to plead to a jury to uh, not uh, punish his client because of beliefs protected by the First Amendment. Mr. O'Donnell, I hate to ask this because, you know, if, if, if you give, give the wrong answer, the, this case isn't very important. Uh, but it just doesn't say he's, he's, he's a member of a group. It says the stipulation was he's a member of a prison gang. Doesn't that have a connotation of a group of people that engage in unlawful activities? For starters, I mean, you know, refer to, you know, he's a member of a gang called the Kiwanis Club or a, a gang called the American Civil Liberties Union. He's a member of a prison gang. What, what does that suggest to you? It suggests a bunch of people that are, it is, they are doing not nice things in the prison, I think. It is, it is still an association. It's in those connotations, uh, which just involves speculation as to activities where there's no proofs of the illegal activities or proof that he acted or carried out unlawful acts and pursuant to membership in a Ooh. gang, simply because of his association. This isn't a sufficiency of the evidence. This, this, uh, that the, the jury can't take it into account, even if it is proven, uh, that, that, you know, that he was a member of, of a prison gang. No. I'm, I'm not sure that I can't consider it a, a sign of a a bad character that you're a member of a prison gang, whatever they believe, whether it's a white Aryan gang or any other gang. Uh, Your Honor, as the court pointed out in Lanzetta versus New Jersey uh, some years ago, in fact, it was 1928. In that uh, case, one of the uh, this is one of the elements of the offense was that the uh, uh, petitioner be a member of a gang or a gangster. Uh, in fact, that's how the crime was defined. Some of the other elements were that he not have a job, that he associate with other people. But basically, the criteria used was the connotations behind the word gangster. And that was constitutionally impermissible. And, well, what, uh, wasn't, 
this breakout affected by members of the gang? I, I thought that the people that broke out were all members of this gang. I do not, I do not think that was clear. It says even if they had been, uh, unless it was, uh, it says, unless there was proof that it was one of the, uh, that that was the reason for, says the gang or the beliefs were the reason which prompted, says the unlawful activity, the escape, it would, uh, it would still be inadmissible. I'd like to point out that the state did offer as aggravating. So your position is, is that if a gang breaks out of prison, uh, in sentencing, the judge can't take into account that the, uh, uh, that the that the prison breakout was orchestrated by a gang. If there was if there was a conspiracy to break out, yes. That if he was a that's member, in this record, isn't it? Yeah, if if I may make the distinction, uh, if if there was a conspiracy to break out, yes. However, if the uh, the evidence was only directed towards the gang being as racist, says that's not punishable. That he uh, that has nothing to do says with it. Uh, that there was a conspiracy or solicitation or provocation. Uh, Donald, I thought there was an acknowledgment by your opponent that the membership in this organization had nothing to do with the offense for which he was tried. It, it did not whatsoever. And wasn't the evidence of Aryan Brotherhood membership excluded until the penalty phase? It was. Yeah. And it was only, admiss it was only admitted to for one purpose, so that the jury could argue that uh, as an additional aggravating circumstance that he's a member of this. Uh, aren't there some gang. gangs that are not necessarily invidious? How about a chain gang? If uh, it says if if that were reflected to uh, if that reflected his uh, criminal record uh, and there's certainly there are perhaps less prejudicial ways of proving it that may be is admissible. If the court please, I would like to reserve my remaining uh, time for rebuttal. Very well, Mr. O'Donnell. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, Mr. Fairbanks, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. <clears throat> David Dawson was sentenced to death in a Delaware um, courtroom because he broke out of prison, he broke into Madeline Kisner's home, he, bur he burglarized it, he robbed her, he tied her up, he strangled her, then he stabbed her 12 times, killing her. There's no question in this case that his membership in a, in a uh, prison gang called the racist prison gang called the Aryan Brotherhood is reflective of character. Dawson concedes that it's reflective of character. There is no question. Now, the stipulation didn't show that this was a racist prison gang. It was very careful on that point. It said the California gang is racist. Um, and the prosecutor, were you, did you prosecute the gang? No, I did not. Uh, well, your prosecutor continued to argue that this was a racist gang, and that, that's not reflected in the stipulation. Well, what it says is that, is that the Aryan Brotherhood refers to a racist prison gang, a white racist prison gang, which was founded in California. I think, and, 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 and if, the, if the, there's no quarrel, that these reflect David Dawson's beliefs, because in closing argument, Mr. Skorzybinski, who defended Dawson, says, yes, he's a racist. So that we're not here with a quarrel of whether or not these accurately reflect whether this particular description of the Aryan Brotherhood was in fact accurate, or whether it in fact reflected David Dawson's views. But when you look at all of this in, in context, you have to put it in the context of the Delaware system. Delaware death penalty system, which is a Greg or a Georgia type system, as announced by this, as referred to by this court in Greg and, and uh, Zant. And that is that first, the defendant is convicted of first degree murder. Thereafter, the discretion of the jury is narrowed to, with, the, with statutory aggravating circumstances. Finally, the jury is left to assess whether or not the penalty should be life imprisonment or death, 
based upon an individualized determination of David Dawson's characteristics and pro- character and propensities and the circumstances of the offense. Does the record show that any minority members were on the jury? <clears throat> yes, it does. And what does it show in that regard? It shows that there was one black uh, juror. And what happened in this case, if I can uh, sort of explain it, there was voir dire of the entire jury panel, individual voir dire, in which the, in which the judge said, in effect, can you ju- there may be evidence in this case about uh, membership in or re- references to the Aryan uh, Brotherhood and described it um, briefly. Will this evidence prevent you from being fair? That question was answered Negative was, was said, four individuals who were selected for this jury said, we, I can't be fair with this evidence. They were excluded for cause. Two others, for a total of six, knew something about the case, but what they knew about the case was that David Dawson belonged to the Aryan Brotherhood, and they similarly were excluded. So that six members of the jury were excluded. Dawson had argued that you have to exclude this up front. You have to, his motion eliminated to be dealt with up front, because consistent with his views, his racial stereotyping, he believed that blacks and Jews would be more um, uh, on his side with regard to um, the, the conviction, and he wanted them on the jury. But if this evidence was going to be presented, he was going to exercise his preemptory challenges to exclude all blacks. And that's what he did. He ran out of preemptory challenges around juror number six or seven, and juror number eight, I believe it was, um, was one black individual whom he could not preemptorily challenge. So that there is just one um, black member of this jury. But when you look at what the, that final discretionary stage, what a jury is supposed to do, the jury is not to be value or content neutral. The jury is to exercise moral judgment. And they are to exercise moral judgment based upon, the, among other things, the character and propensities of the defendant. May I ask you, what does, what does the membership in the white area brotherhood tell us about his character? Tells us two things: one, a general sense of lawlessness. Well, no, where, how, how do you get that? Why? Because it's a prison gang. It's a racist prison gang. But racist prison gang. Uh, you think the word gang implies lawlessness? Yes, that's it. And I think that is what the what the trial judge thought, and actually, that's what the Supreme. But is that the argument that the prosecutor made that implied lawlessness, or did he just argue about the kind of views he had with respect to the different races? No, what he argued goes to the second part of what the Aryan Brotherhood um, deals with and that is his rejection of rehabilitation. David Dawson um, presented evidence um, in his case, or brought out evidence in the state's case and presented evidence in his case, essentially aspects of rehabilitation. He said, look, I have, in my years of prison, I have uh, gone to AA, I belong to other treatment programs. These were signs and were admissible because they showed that he had tried to rehabilitate himself to bring him back into society. This evidence counters that. This evidence is that he rejects the real David Dawson is not the person that goes once a week or so to an AA meeting, but the real David Dawson who was 24 hours a day um, and the full year uh, a member of the gang. Um, Mr. Fairbanks, are, are you assuming that we take judicial notice of what the beliefs are of members of the Aryan Brotherhood chapter in Delaware? Are we supposed to just make certain assumptions here? 
No, I think that the, the — Because the stipulation is so bare-bones that I didn't find any evidence connecting the petitioner's membership in the Brotherhood to lawlessness or a rejection of rehabilitation. I just — I didn't see that in the stipulation. Well, the stipulation is something that Dawson agreed to, and it is subsumed within the, the notion of a white racist prison gang. And I, I really think that's well, that's. Well, you keep with. saying that, but it's a California gang that's white racist, and he's a member of a Delaware gang with a gang with the same name. That's all it said. Well, and the I, prosecutor, just as you're doing here, continues to argue that he's a racist. And the question is, what is the evidence of that in this case? Well, he agrees that he's a racist. I mean, his closing argument says yes. This is accurate. This accurately reflects my views. Was his closing argument after the argument given by the state? Yes, it was. It was. It was sequentially. There is. There is the, the prosecutor's argument, his closing argument, and then final rebuttal. But I. But I think that that the, the point really is is that we are not dealing here with a question of does this accurately reflect? Does the does what we have said about him accurately reflect David Dawson? And there's no argument that it doesn't. I mean, there, he agrees that it does. So we're not Wouldn't here. Would it have been permissible to just to, and you have the two per, to, to, to simply put in evidence that he was a white racist? Period. He voted for in a certain way in an upcoming election, for example. Well, I, I'm not sure how you you determine how he votes in a given sequence. Well, he, he stipulated that he was going to vote for for this particular individual who's a white, alleged to be a white racist. I think he, he supports white racist causes generally. Would, th- would that be sufficient to put in? I think that what you have to look at is not Dawson's per se rule, which simply works on the syllogism of if he can attach a speech or association element, it's excluded. Rather, what you look at is what does it say about a ca- what characteristic does it say about him, and is that characteristic well, relevant? Well, there are two parts to it. Let's, I'd like to separate them. One is he stipulates that he was a member of a prison gang without identifying it that was formed in response to other prison gangs. You, that, you say, would be relevant because it shows he's not capable of being rehabilitated. Yes. But then the second half of it, and the one that was emphasized by the prosecutor, that he, he stipulates that he is a member of a white racist group, a group that believes the white race is superior to all other races, and, and for political and other purposes, he subscribes to those beliefs. Could that part separately be put in, in evidence in your view? I think if it speaks to a characteristic well, I, you, you that is relevant, and, and, and I know exactly what it is. Yes, and I think it does speak to a, to a characteristic that is relevant to So that to it sentencing. would be sufficient to just identify him as a white racist. He is, he is at, fundamentally at war with his society, um, and he rejects the, the values of the society, and I think that well, is... some people, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, in this society who share those values. That's right. And they can all be, that can be a, say, it's not a capital case, just say a sentencing guideline case. Your belief about the relative values of the races can be an aggravating circumstance that imposes a more severe penalty on you for a crime you commit under statutory sentencing guidelines, I suppose. Yes, because it says something very specific about his character. His rejection of... What does it say about his character? I think it says, it, it says that he, is that he judges people... Not on the basis of who they are, but based on the basis of race. He is, in effect, racism is the ultimate dehumanization of individuals. You could also put in, for example, that he, he hates Catholics, say, period. Or he hates a certain, certain religion. If he has, I think that, that religious or other prejudices 
they are, they are um, available, too. But that's not this case. What this case is... What's the difference? And it's basically his views that are not shared by the majority that make him susceptible to a more severe penalty. But that's not... I understand your position. Well, it is, his, it is part of his character well. that is not acceptable. Well, isn't it equally true, then, that, that you could put in evidence that he's a socialist? Socialists are at war with the, uh, with the uh, property structure of the United States. Uh, it's, a, it's a minority position, and uh, you could say this man is a socialist. He's not a Republican or a Democrat. No, I'm not so sure that I go that far. Why not? Because I'm not sure that... At war with society, aren't socialists at war with the, uh, with the property structure of the United States? I don't think in the same, in the same sense that racism... Um, is uh, well, what if you, what if, what if you, they wanted to put the prosecution wanted to put in uh, in the days when the Cold War was, that the man is a communist he believes in the overthrow of the uh, the ultimate overthrow of the capitalist system and the, this is this is a simple murder case there are no political elements to it can that come in I would think that that if it speaks to a relevant criteria well, in sentencing, I've told and, uh, you, uh, I've told you what the thing and I th is. and I think that the violent overthrow of his of his society speaks to a to a relevant uh, sentencing trait. It is much like like uh, um, remorse or the lack of remorse, which he would also reject in his in his analysis. Well, hey, violent overthrow is at least a crime. Uh, uh, racial attitude, you're, as as far as I know, it's 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 not unlawful, short of uh, short of taking some unlawful action. To hate Catholics or to hate uh, to hate any group, right? That's true. As as but that makes you a bad guy, and th and therefore your sentence can be increased. But here, it wasn't just the, the the beliefs in a vacuum. It was associated with a prison gang, and I think that that this case is is looked at in two ways. Um, One, I, I thought we were on a line of of, of hypothetical questioning whether whether you could introduce the fact that the person was a racist. Independent. Let's not retreat back to the fact that he's in a gang. That, that, that's a different issue. We're just talking about the fact that the person is a racist. You think that alone should be able to be introduced, right? I think that is a matter which is not per se excluded. That at that point, the judge must weigh and balance probative value versus risk of prejudice. And the judge may, may very well and probably will in most of those instances exclude it after that weighing process. All we are saying is that you, you get to that weighing process, mm -hmm. that you don't have a per se rule. That is sexist. I suppose that could be introduced as well. The person is, is sexist. Right? has a lot of... I'm not sure how, how broad sexist that's is, not, is. That's not quite fine. as bad as being a racist, is, is that... <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you don't have the judges picking and choosing between what is good and bad character. That's what I worry is. about. That's exactly what I worry about. And once you say racism is okay, well, you know, what isn't? No. What I'm saying is there's not a per se, per se rule which excludes all of this. Because what he says, he wants to wrap himself in the First Amendment, but he doesn't really want to wrap himself in the First Amendment. The gown doesn't really fit. What he, because the premise of the First Amendment is not you can't consider it against you. It is neutrality. The, the premise of the First Amendment is the government needs to be neutral. And here, the structure of, of, the, of the legislative scheme is itself neutral. The judge in, itself, in, in analyzing this is neutral. They are basing it on characteristics. It is simply the statute itself talks about character and propensity of the defendant. It can be admitted in aggravation or mitigation. The judge does not decide whether it is good character or bad character. He simply says, is it relevant and pro to, a, to an important um, peniological concern, something that's relevant and important to sentencing. Now you're saying it's not relevant to character? I thought that was your whole no, no. position. No, I'm saying that it is relevant to character, but he, all, but he then goes and says, what does that character trait 
tell us about this individual. I mean, one can conceive of all sorts of character traits that really don't have anything to do with sentencing. Here, rejection of rehabilitation, which was how it was argued, is how the Delaware Supreme Court viewed this evidence, is relevant to sentencing. And it, in fact, is... is I mean, let me just be sure I'm, I'm not misunderstood your position on one point. Do you agree with your opponent that it would be impermissible to make membership in the Aryan Brotherhood a statutory aggravating circumstance? Yes. Now, why would it be impermissible? Because at that point, government is deciding what groups are good and what groups are bad. The legislature is making that judgment. They could... In other words, it's a judgment a jury can make, but the legislature cannot make. Because the jury... Because the... Why do you draw that? They're both speaking for the government. Well, because at the, at the latter stage, they are looking at it not just as, as an aggravating circumstance. They're looking at it in the full context of all the variety of considerations that the jury has to consider. Well, what if the legislature looks at it in the same full context, and they just say this is always an aggravating circumstance because it always illustrates uh, bad character? Because it, I, I suppose because at that point he is, he is um, made eligible for death because of that. I'll say, it isn't, that. Uh, say it's the sentencing guidelines that you have a, uh, for robbery, that you get an, ag- uh, an, an additional point or whatever you do to get into a higher, uh, uh, more severe uh, poten- eligibility for a more severe sentence. Membership in the, uh, just as Justice Scalia said, this is not necessarily just a death case. Membership in the Aryan Brotherhood should be worth three points and move you from category A to category B. Could the legislature do that? We think not. You think not? And we why not? not? Because we think that, that in that point the legislature is making value judgments. And that unless you can show and meet... Why can the jury make a value judgment that's impermissible for the elected representatives of the whole people? Because that's the jury function in this instance. The jury, what this court has said the jury is to do is to make, is to make a moral judgment as to his fate based upon the consideration of his, of his characteristics. The jury doesn't elicit this information. The state presents it. The state offers and argues that it's a quite a relevant circumstance to determine whether this fellow is worth, worth living or not. That's right. But, the, but the, the state does not actually do the labeling. The jury does the labeling. And the jury does the labeling in the full range of circumstances about the defendant. S- suppose the judge says, uh, in my moral judgment, members of the Aryan League are, by reason of their beliefs, are more deserving of the death penalty than people that are not members. And that's the dispositive point of my decision. That, is, that is similar to what the, what the sentencing judge did in Barclay. Um, the, what, what, and, 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 and you, you would permit that? I think that, that um, membership in a, in, in a racist group um, does speak to a relevant character trait, and the judge can make, take that into consideration when he considers all the aggravating and mitigating circumstances. Again, I don't see how that's any different from the hypothetical Justin Stevens put to you, where the legislature tells the judges what to do. Well, you, you like uh, individual discretion rather than concrete rules? Well, because what this court has said in the context of death penalty, um, penalty hearings is that what that jury is supposed to do is to render a moral judgment based upon the character and propensities of the defendant and the circumstances of the offense. You can't be content neutral or value neutral and make moral judgments. So that they have to be free, and they are asked to be free every day to make moral judgments. Your, your position is if, if the defendant at the sentencing hearing 
can show that he went to dancing class in prison, and that's a mitigating thing, you should be able to show something like this. Maybe some of the jurors will think it's, it's a point against him. Yes, I think, and, that's, and that ultimately is what his, his final position as articulated in his reply brief is. And that is that if he presents um, membership associational beliefs um, in mitigation, the state can present associational beliefs in so aggravation. I, I take it under some circumstances you'd say the state would be entitled to, uh, to uh, put in evidence that uh, although he belongs to the Boy Scouts, uh, he's an atheist. Um, I, Justice White, I, I think that you may say that I'm not sure what what from the from the from the state's point of view what membership in the Boy Scouts says about somebody, and nor am I sure what what atheism says about somebody. Well, supposing the defendant doesn't put in any of this evidence, but the state thinks that uh, <clears throat> state thinks that in this uh, in this particular county. Uh, evidence uh, that uh, he's a Catholic uh, would be very unpopular with the jury. And that is material that the Delaware Supreme Court has made clear would not be admissible. Because what that is... Because it, no reasonable juror could, uh, could uh, think that he was a bad person for that reason? Because what it is doing is interjecting a, an arbitrary factor to appeal to prejudice or bias. And that there is a limitation to this. What... What if he tries to introduce evidence that he's a good, God-fearing man, goes to church every Sunday? You pick your denomination. I don't care. Can he get that in? This court has held that that is... That that is so the is jury relevant. can say, gee, this is a good, God-fearing man, so we'll let him live. That's correct. Uh, and all this is the counter to that sort of evidence. But you say you couldn't produce evidence that he's not a good, God-fearing man, that, uh, that he's an atheist. Then. Well, because it does not speak to a, to a factor that, it, that, that is relevant. I don't see why the one does and, and the other doesn't. And what about the fellow who's not a good God-fearing man? I mean, he says, gee, if I were only a good God-fearing man, I could get this evidence in and maybe I wouldn't get the death penalty. Aren't you punishing him because of his beliefs? You're punishing him, in effect, because he's not a good God-fearing man. He cannot honestly say, I go to church every Sunday. Well, I, I think that is what occurs and may very well occur in, in, in death penalty cases up to now. That is, is that the jury has before them the characteristics that the defendant points puts in, right. which are which are which are not related to conduct, which are which are um, First Amendment material. I mean, he may say. So, if you're going to keep out the bad stuff, you have to keep out all the good stuff too, to be, be because if the, the bad people who don't have it are being prejudiced by the fact that they don't have it, and therefore you got to keep it all out. Yes, if this is a First Amendment claim, which is what Dawson says that it is, yes, because the First Amendment is not designed to say you can consider it all good or you can consider it all bad. It is neutrality. If the jury is to be neutral, you can't consider any of it. But if the jury in this instance is is the government, then the jury must be neutral. But if the jury is neutral, they are not making moral judgments based upon the character of this defendant. In fact, um, in, in this case, um, he says in his reply brief that if he can present evidence in, aggravation, in mitigation that are associational beliefs, he's always conceded, although it's the first time in his reply brief, that the state can do the same in, in, um, to counter that evidence. Well. As a matter of fact, what the record says is that immediately before they left, they adjourned to enter the stipulation that he finally um, entered into. The prosecutor offered just such a, an arrangement. On uh, Joint Appendix page uh, 51, at the bottom of that page, the prosecutor said, look, 
you can't be um, offering associational uh, beliefs unconnected to, to conduct and mitigation and bar us from doing it, doing the counter, doing the same thing. And then he further goes on to say that, sure, if you want to enter into stipulation not to present that, that evidence, we'll do the same. Your position is that wholly aside from that stipulation, you should be able to introduce this evidence as relevant to character. Yes, I think that is, that is correct. Did, you, did the state really offer to prove that, the, that the, this prison gang uh, was the kind of a gang described in Barclay? Or in, what is it, Abel? Abel. Um, that, that it's a, the, the Aryan Brotherhood is a secret prison gang that required its members always to deny the existence of the organization to commit perjury, threat, theft, and murder. murder. Did the state office offer to characterize the Aryan Brotherhood, and was that excluded? No. What, what, what happened, what the sequencing of events were, is that the prosecutor uh, was, began with a proffer, and he proposed then to move on to present voir dire testimony of the state's witnesses. So the judge could then undertake a balancing approach, which is what he said is, he, the judge said he's got a two-step What did he say the witnesses were going to testify to? That the, the, there were two main and central characteristics, um, but that the individual from um, the Bureau of uh, Federal Prisons was going to come in. He was going to be our expert. And he was going to say what the Aryan Brotherhood was all about? Yes. And what he said was they have two main characteristics. The two main goals of the Aryan Brotherhood are, and this is at page, uh, Joint Appendix page yeah. 33. And he says their two main goals are, one, to control the drugs in prison, and two, violent escape attempts. Do what? Violent escape attempts. Well, uh, I suppose that if that evidence had gotten in, uh, I, I, maybe I misunderstood your colleague on the other side, that he thought that maybe if that had been in, admitted, uh, uh, it would have, it, it, it should be upheld, that kind of evidence. Do you understand him that? I, it's, it's, he's sometimes hard to pin down, but I think that's, that's one of the things that he has said, yes. And, and I think that, that what happened was, is that the parties... Well, the state really got in trouble by the exclusion of the testimony. That's right. I mean, what he's saying is, is he's trying to have it both ways. He wants a, a, a sterile presentation of the evidence, and then he wants to attack us for having um, agreed to a sterile presentation of the evidence. But the state lost something by that sterile presentation to it. It lost any uh, testimony connecting this particular membership to the sort of things that a lot of people would feel were quite relevant to, to a sentencing determination. Absolutely. That what uh, the, the, uh, the prosecutor also proffered that the state would show was a letter signed by Dawson. What, what difference does it make what the state proffered? The judge didn't turn down their proffer. They had, he, he was a most patient judge. He heard him for page after page on this question. Finally, they came up with a stipulation. That's right. And now, having accepted that stipulation, he cries foul. Uh, um, Having accepted the stipulation, are crying foul in a way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chief Justice, what I'm crying foul is, is that is being attacked for the stipulation. Yes, but he accepted the stipulation as a substitute for keeping all this evidence out, and it's a pretty good argument for keeping all this evidence out. He's just a member of the gang. That's all that you've proved. So for not that he'd participated in any of these activities. Do well, the proffer actually did, does go farther than that. I mean, because the proffer said that one of the things they seized from his, from his cell was a letter signed by, by Dawson saying that uh, Aryan brothers must take flight. 
Well, that is at Joint Appendix, page 36. Aryan brothers must take flight, and what does that prove? That is, that connects to the, to the second of the two principal goals of the Aryan Brotherhood that Mr. Aaron was going to testify to. Because neither not, of those not, goals had anything to do with white supremacy, did they? The two of them that he was going to testify, and white supremacy is the key to the prosecutor's closing argument. No, I don't think that is the key to the, the prosecutor's closing yeah. argument. The key to the prosecutor's closing argument is comparison between what Dawson says about his, his conduct in prison and his association with his family and what he really is. And he almost invariably connected... But his conduct in prison and what he really is, why don't you put in evidence about what he did in prison instead of what organization he belonged to? Because the organizations, just like um, his, his joining AA, his going to AA meetings, I mean, he has a right to say that, not because he's proven that he has actually been rehabilitated, but that he goes to those meetings as offers as an offer to show that he is making attempts at rehabilitation. This is the counter of that evidence. This is what the Delaware Supreme Court understood that this evidence was designed to deal with. And he does not really argue that that is improper. He wants to say that simply because the evidence is attached to First Amendment, that it cannot be used against him, but it can be used for him. And that, we say, is not the premise of the First Amendment. The First Amendment is not the evidentiary rule that he wishes it to be. As this Court said in Barclay and in Abel, um, both cases in which associations were properly used in Barclay to sentence and in Abel to convict, that the associations, if they are relevant to a, to a matter that's properly before the jury, are not excluded simply because they are associations or beliefs. He says that's wrong. He says that what that his syllogism is very simple, that if he can identify something as an association or belief, it's excluded as aggravation. And we say that is not what the First Amendment is designed to deal with, and that's not what this Court has said that the, that the jury is supposed to do when they consider death cases, or in fact, any other case, any sentencing case. Because it, just to give you one example. That's not the syllogism I understood him to me. He said if you can't make it a statutory aggravating circumstances, how in the world can you make it a non-statutory aggravating circumstances? That's the syllogism I understand him to be advancing. No, what I think he's saying is that you, if you cannot punish it um, as, as if you can't criminalize it, you can't, or regulate against it, um, is, why you, is why you can't consider it when you talk about its character. And we simply say that you can. It's much like, like um, um, remorse or the lack of remorse. One can demonstrate lack of remorse not simply by not testifying, but actively by saying something or by making a gesture. Clearly, that is pure speech. That is something which talks about what's inside of you. That is relevant and, and to... And membership in this organization proves lack of remorse. That's the argument. No, no, no. No, I'm saying what, and what the Delaware Supreme Court said is, is two things. It shows that he's a bad, has bad he's a bad character, lawlessness. And two, that, um, that it's a rejection of rehabilitation. Both of those factors are, are relevant, much as the lack of remorse. Thank you, Mr. O'Donnell. Mr. Fairbanks, you have four minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, first, if I may, allow me to respond to the state's points concerning this being rebuttal as evidence. This is not rebuttal evidence, which we're talking about. The state suggests that it counters what the defendant uh, says proffered, what the petitioner proffered. Uh, the state used a very inapt example 
They pointed out that the defendant has asked the court to consider, asked the jury to consider as an example, is alcoholism. Now, the state suggests that somehow evidence concerning his racism countered or rebutted that mitigating evidence. If Delaware or Mr. Fairbanks knows of a rational relationship between alcoholism and racism or any other ism in this country, they should share that finding with the Surgeon General as well as with Delaware juries. I understand you uh, on your uh, direct argument uh, that you, you thought that if there was, if the judge, if there was evidence uh, offered uh, about the uh, what this group was all about, that it really, uh, it really uh, was a, a, a criminal enterprise, and it what was it did for, did uh, did incite uh, uh, escapes. Uh, did you? Would that evidence be admissible? Well, unless he adopted and advocated, says the escapes. And I might point well, out that... No, say that again. Unless he says advocated, or if part of it was that he was engaged in a conspiracy to commit no, no, escapes. All, the, all, all, all it was offered was that he's a, a member of this group, and this group uh, believes and is actively engaged in, in criminal activities. Now, is that evidence admissible? Is his membership in that no, kind of no, no, it is not, because there's no evidence that he intended to uh, says accomplish those ends. The state, I may point out, introduced evidence in this mm -hmm. case that so he you escaped. Have to really, you have to really show that he uh, uh, participated in these criminal activities. Uh, Your Honor, it was shown in this case that he escaped. What his white racism had to do with it uh, has well, nothing to do with it. Just answer my argument. question. That's all I needed to, all you needed to do. You, you say that, that in order to get the evidence in, you would have to show that he participated in these criminal activities. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. in, Mr. O'Donnell, you, you, you introduced evidence of group membership, right? Uh, uh, AA. Uh, now, I guess if, if you say that a person can't be sentenced on the basis of of his membership, I guess you, you, you would logically have to say he shouldn't be sentenced because of his non-membership either. But doesn't that happen every time somebody who doesn't belong to AA is sentenced? I mean, your client can come in and say, I'm a member of AA, and this other fellow is being punished because he's a non-member of AA. No, it does not. It does not just I mean, what, what I'm suggesting is that there, there's just no end. Once you say you can't use membership, there's no end to, every, to what has to be kept out of, uh, of, of all our sensing determinations. It is not, it's because belonging says, to AA is not a belief, and the judge is not exhorting him to uh, it says, inflict punishment because he does not It's belong. It's not a belief. Certainly it's a belief. It's a belief against, against drinking and self-discipline and all of that, all those are beliefs, aren't they? Uh, they are beliefs, yes. However, they're not punishable. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Thank you, Mr. O'Donnell. The case is submitted.